So we're moving on to our next talk, which I'm hoping is Philip. Can you hear me now? We can hear you. How wonderful. Good news. Philip's going to um, share with us um, some lessons from a Ghanaian theologian, Kwame Bidiako. I apologize. Is that okay? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Philip is pastor at Mitchell Baptist and is studying for a PhD at Roehampton. Welcome, Philip. Thank you so much. You've got 20 minutes for your talk. Please do start. Thank you. Um, my topic is Gospel and Culture Interface, Lessons from the Ghanaian Theologian Kwame Bediakum. I'd just like to point out that this has nothing to do, to do with my doctoral studies. It's just an interest I have. And I'd also like to point out that I'm just going to give you a brief survey about him. And then after that, maybe we can have interaction and maybe go into depth with the questions. A background about Kwame Bideaku. He was born in July, 1945, and he passed away in June, 2008. Uh, he, that is, he was nearly 63 years old. He was a Ghanaian theologian married to a Scottish theologian, Gillian Bideaku. They both met um, when he was studying for his doctorate and they got married later. He has two doctorate degrees, a doctorate in French literature from France and a doctorate in theology from Edinburgh University. He was a theologian as well as a pastor. And that is very important for him, being a theologian and a pastor. That is, he was a theologian, a pastor of the Presbyterian Church. He's regarded now as one of contemporary Africa's prominent theologians in terms of academic theology. He was the founder and director of an institute in Ghana called the Akrofri Crystal Memorial Center for Mission Research and Applied Theology in the middle part of Ghana called Akropong. I'll later on come to explain why the center has this name because it has a bearing to his vision and mission and his theology and practice. He was a visiting lecturer in African theology at the Center for the Study of Christianity in the non-Western world at the Edinburgh University. I'll follow the following outline for my presentation. Three main issues. First, I'll share a narrative of Kwame Bideko's gospel and culture interface. I just want to tell a story about his life. This is important in theology because for African theology, storytelling is key to discovering theology. Telling stories, narrative theology is key to discovering what really the gospel is. So I'll share his story first, and then secondly, I'll share theological elements of Kwame Bideakun's gospel and culture interface. And thirdly, a critique of Kwame Bideakun's gospel and culture interface. Firstly, a narrative of Kwame Bideakun's gospel and culture interface. The mid 20th century saw a shift in the center of gravity of Christianity from the global West to the global South, that is Africa, Asia, and Latin America. This feature means that the quality of African theological activity is a matter that the universal church needs to be concerned about. Just as much as the quality of Asian and Latin American theological endeavors is something that the universal church needs to be concerned about and not the continental church of, in terms of continent of Africa, continent of Asia, continent of Latin America. Bideko was a strong advocate that when it comes to African theology, but people put it as a subset, a footnote, an end note. But when it comes to European theology, North American theology is supposed to be the heavyweight that occupies the center of gravity of Christianity. Bideoku disagrees with this viewpoint. Within this scenario, Bideoku poses the question, 
Could Africans become fully Christian only by embracing a mindset of Western Christians and rejecting all the things that made them distinctively African? Ordinary African Christians encountered critical theological issues that were not addressed in a sort of theology formulated by Westerners, which most African theological institutions teach and are still currently teaching on the African continent. It was not that Western theology was necessarily wrong, says Bidia. The issue is not that Western theology is wrong. That is not the issue. Rather, it was because Western theology could not deal with the issues that went to the heart of the average African Christian. If the story is often told, if you read many books on African history, that in the early 50s and also in the 60s, the average African Christian would go to church in the morning as a good Christian should. But when he or she had critical matters, for example, a perennial illness, a terminal illness that could not be sorted out through medical care, and the pastor of the church prayed and the Christian God didn't answer, some African Christians will go and visit the African traditional priest and seek African traditional religious help to sort, sort out the healing issue. And many theologians pose the question, why this dichotomy? Why this syncretism? Bideaku says it's because African theology has to address issues that deals with the heartfelt needs of the average African Christian, rather than transposing Western theology and discussing that as what sorts out these issues. Western theology has its own questions and its own answers. African theology should seek the questions of African Christians and find answers to the question of African Christians. And some of the heartfelt issues, Bideaku says, are relationships with family, king, and society. Kin, that is K-I-N, kin, kinship, and society. Bideaku says that Africans are now trying through African theology to respond to the current issues that Africans feel as their felt needs and their lived experiences. Significant facets of African life has been left untouched by a Christian dialogue in Africa. Christians have theologized, says the video on the African continent, both Africans and African-focused Christians from other parts of the world. But in their sincerity, to carry out what they think is the most effective ministry, they do not deal with the deep thought and certainties of the average African Christians. Most evangelical Christian thinking especially does not engage with issues of culture. And even if it does, it does it either simplistically or superficially. Another question Bediaku asks is, how has the early church faced such issues? How, how have theologians in the Greek Roman culture world dealt with questions that arose from the Hellenistic culture? How did they view their pre-Christian intellectual, literary, and religious heritage and their, their cultural ancestors? How far was it possible to be both Greek and Christian? Bediaku thinks that if you ask that question of the second century Christians, you'll be able to have lessons that African Christians in 21st century and 20th century can learn because he was writing in the 20th century. Bideko's doctoral thesis in 1983 explored how the second century 
theologians face the issues posed for Christians by their Greco-Roman past. How 20th century Christians should face issues from the African past is a lesson Africa need to learn from the second century Christians. The similarity of issues he finds to be striking. For both the second century Christian theologians and 20th century African theologians, the consciousness of identity was at the heart of their theological endeavors. Who are we as Greek Christians? Can we truly be Christians and truly Greek? Who are we as African Christians? Can we truly be Christian and truly African? Bideoku asserts that we are made by our past and it's our past that creates our identity and show us who we are. We cannot abandon or suppress our past or substitute something else instead, nor can our past be left as it is and touched by Christ. Our past, like our present, has to be converted and turned toward Christ. For the Bediaku, the second century quest was the conversion, not the suppression or replacement of Hellenistic culture. And in that case, conversion had led to cultural renewal for second century Christians. Today, conversion of African culture, in his view, is perhaps the need of the hour. And hopefully, this may lead to a renewal of Christianity in the African context. The second century theologians discovered that God had been active in their past. With the same convictions, Bediakwa says, African Christians could recognize that God was always there before the missionaries came. Over the years that followed, Bidea could develop these ideas in his teachings and writings. The activity of the divine word, that signs that God had not left himself without a witness in the African past. The multitudes of Africans coming to Christ here and now all pointed to the special place for Africa in Christian history. But this place lay within, not separate from the history of the church as a whole. All Christians shared the same ancestors and Jesus Christ being the chief ancestor. And those ancestors belong to every tribe, kindred, and nation throughout the world. Bidiaku was drawn to study to the study of primary religions and their relation to Christianity. These religions were primal in the sense of being anterior to the so-called world religions. Throughout Christian history, they have proved the most fertile soil for the Christian message so that they formed the background the substructures, one might say, of the faith of a high percentage of the world's Christians and influence their worldview. And the Bible, the Old Testament in particular, shows us a good, a good deal about primary worldviews in action, which is instantly recognizable in Africa and many other parts of the world. Thus, the average African actually finds it easier to identify with the Old Testament more than New Testament, because the Old Testament fits into the worldview of the average African. Thus, Africans are primal in a second sense also, being having primal meaning a basic elemental reflecting or reflection on fundamental elements of human response to the divine. Bidiakud looked at writers like Gregory of Tours in Europe, or Bedi or Boniface, and he saw how Western Christianity emerged in interaction between biblical tradition and the primal worldviews, 
which were dealt with by Gregory of Tours, Bede, and Boniface. And this focused on the challenges of the people of Northern Europe and Western Europe in how to address their primal worldview through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Western Christianity thus is also a story about the conversion of the past. In Bediaku's view, vast numbers of African Christians were continually facing situations that demanded theological decisions, which Western intellectual models provided no help. Fresh, informed, biblical and theological thinking, along with sensitive understanding of society was needed to help in situations where the identity and obligations of Christians intersected with the identity obligations as a member of a family or a community or a state. In such cases, textbook theology rarely provided answers. Church tradition, where Christianity had been received from Western sources in a period of Western dominance, too often led to either a blanket rejection of all things evidently African, being termed demonic culture, African traditional religion is demonic, or to a division of life into parallel streams of being a Christian on a Sunday morning and being an African on Monday to Saturday, and the two never meet. The end product be a sort of religious schizophrenia, a fractured identity, claims Bediaku. The key theological issues of the day, as in the early Christian centuries, demanded integral identity. And that phrase is key to Bediaku, integral Christian identity being the key that is being simultaneously and thoroughly African and being simultaneously and thoroughly Christian. Being confidently a Christian African or African Christian, whichever you prefer. I show that the divine word was taking root, becoming flesh, becoming incarnated, pitching his tent within the African setting. Bediaku's theological aim was to promote scholarship rooted in Christian mission. The word mission for Bidiaku occurs both within the old and the new forms of his title. It marks the deliberate rejection of Western attempts at detachment or uncommitted scholarship. Bidiaku saw the Christian scholar as holding responsibility in the church and the church as needing the measured scholarly quest for truth. The scholarly activities of investigation and testing. At the same time, Bidiaku advocated and practiced public engagement of theology with other disciplines. Theology in the public sphere. The Crawford Christian Memorial Center for Mission and Applied Research, Mission Research and Applied Theology in Ghana under Bediaku's leadership, of which he was the founder, has this clear focus. The linking of the names, Johann Gottlieb Christella and Clement Anderson Akrofi in the Institute's title is significant. Johann Gottlieb Christella is a German or was a German missionary from the Basel mission of Switzerland and a missionary translator who devoted himself his whole life to the translation of the Akan language, the most prominent language in Ghana and Ghanaian traditional knowledge. So he translated the Bible from Hebrew, Greek and Aramaic directly into the Akan language. Please note, he did not translate the Bible from German into Ghanaian language. And that's key for Bidiaku. He translated it from Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic directly into the Ghanaian language, Akan. The other revisor of the Akan Bible is 
Clement Anderson Akrofi, a Ghanaian uh, Presbyterian minister, and the author of a Ghanaian grammar language in the Akan language. This brings about what Bede Akrofi calls the vernacular principle in Christianity. The vernacular principle is the significance of theological expression in the mother, mother tongue. In a person's born language, the language of the heart is the mother tongue. And the capacity of African languages to illuminate biblical concepts were themes that Bediaku regularly visited. I'd like to look at, secondly, theological elements of Kwame Bediaku's gospel and culture interface. And there are four key issues, four key elements that undergird his theology. I'll look at the four categories of the Christ and culture debate, a method of, for the gospel and God culture interface, the significance of mother tongue scripture reading and praying using vernacular terminology, and finally, indigenous knowledge systems dialoguing with the gospel. Let's take a look at the first element of Bediaku's gospel and culture interface, the four categories of the gospel, gospel and culture debate. Bediaku, for his doctorate degree, studied Tassian, whom, according to him, helped Hellenistic Christianity by demonstrating the priority of Moses and the Old Testament and connected the scriptures with Greek institutions and learning. Then Bediaku also studied Tertullian, who believed that Christian truth was to be defended and protected from the world and that the world, Hellenistic culture was demonic. Thirdly, Bedeku studied Justin and Clement of Alexandria. And Bedeku says that the two of them had the background of connecting the gospel to culture. Justin did the basic groundwork, he says, aimed at securing the rights of Christian revelation in the context of rival claims and against misrepresentations in Hellenistic culture. Clement continued and built on the work of Justin and he sought to unify Christian insights in what he considered worthy Hellenistic tradition into an integrated account of reality for Hellenistic Christians to be at home within their Christianity and their culture. Then Bediaku fast forwards from the second century Christianity to the 20th century and picks four African theologians who he believes represents these theological hermeneutical works that took place in the second century Christianity. The first that he picks is the Nigerian theologian, Bolaji Idowu. Bolaji Idowu is of the position that there's a continuity of God in African experience from the pre-Christian heritage into the Christian confession of faith. So he believes that there's an agreement between Christianity and African culture. Johnny Beatty has a slightly different view. Johnny Beatty is a Kenyan. He believes that equally authentic is African experience. However, the gospel is the fulfillment of the aspirations of Africans. Christ is fulfillment of the aspirations of African traditional religion and African traditional culture. The third person is a Roman Catholic Congolese, Mulago Murusham who worked within the Roman Catholic tradition and believed that there was a link between the gospel and the culture. And in a sense, the gospel had to convert culture. The fourth person was another Nigerian called Bayankatu. He believed that Jesus Christ was against culture. 
and was in opposition to anything connected with connecting the Christian faith with African traditional religion and culture. Apart from basic culture that he felt like eating, dressing, and living in, as an African. So from these four categories, Bideaku came to, came to see that identity was the hermeneutical key for both the second century Christians and the 20th century African theologians. Both groups were trying to ask themselves, how can we find our identity within our culture? For some, there's a continuity. For others, there's an againstness. For others, there's a connectedness, yet Christ is the highest point and fulfillment higher than culture. For others, Christ is to convert culture. These four views becomes the way by which Bidiaku approaches theological enterprise. And he gives a preference to the view that Christ is the person who converts culture and transforms it. Christ is transformer of culture. So this idea about identity holds key to understanding Bediaku and his theological endeavors. The second element of Bediaku's theology is a method for gospel and culture interface. Bediaku is of the conviction that the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be contextualized in every culture. He posits that Jesus Christ is the converter of culture. He says Christian theologians have to ask themselves the following questions in the gospel and culture dialogue. First, what is the gospel? This may sound strange, but Bediaku says, when people say gospel, they're actually saying that my interpretation of the gospel, the gospel according to me, possibly not the, not the gospel according to the biblical writer, says Bediaku. So we need to ask ourselves carefully, what is the gospel? Secondly, what is culture? And what, or what are the issues within a culture that we need to study? Thirdly, what is there in the culture that the gospel affirms? And he believes that we should celebrate this. Fourthly, what is there in culture that the gospel rejects? And he believes that we should do away with this. Fifthly, what is there in culture that the gospel may cleanse and reuse? And it's the fifth question that he regards as key. What is there in the culture that the gospel may cleanse and reuse? He says, contrary to what many modern African Christians think, Regarding especially as evangelical charismatic Christians, which is the main form of Christianity in Africa today, evangelical charismatic Christianity, everything cultural as demonic, contrary to that, there are many things in culture that if you study it carefully, you can cleanse it and reuse it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. An example, it says, is the Ghanaian festival for the accounts called the Odirewa. The Odirewa festival is a wing-long series of rituals performed to purify the people of their Kwapims in the eastern part, eastern region of Ghana. Bidiaku says the essence of the Odria festival is connected with the message of the book of Hebrews. Three things in the book of Hebrews are the three things that the Odria festival, interestingly, when you study it carefully, fulfills. The book of Hebrews talks about sacrifice, priestly mediation, ancestral function, and the Odria festival deals with sacrifice, priestly mediation, ancestral function. So Bediaku says, is it not possible for the people of Akwapim in Ghana to cleanse and reuse the Odria festival to be Christ-centered, to connect the sacrifices that are being done to the traditional gods and shift the focus on Jesus Christ being the last sacrifice, therefore communicate, there's no need for any more sacrifices to the traditional gods. To connect Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews, being the priestly mediator, to the need that they don't need any mediator in terms of the 
priest or the fetish priest, the priest, priest of the shrine, can you carry out sacrifices of animals for mediation? Because Christ is the final mediator. To compare the ancestral function of Christ in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews says, in the former days, God spoke to us through the prophets, but today he's speaking to us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that in the former days, God spoke to us through the ancestors, but today, Jesus Christ is the ancestor of all ancestors, and nobody needs any other help from any ancestor apart from Jesus Christ, the chief ancestor. This gospel and culture interface methodology, says Bediaku, he believes is key to making African Christians comfortable within their Christianity. Third, Philip, we'd third, like to be able to put in a few questions. So if you could summarize just in the next minute and then we'll ask one question. The third element is the importance use of mother, mother tongue scripture. And it says that if you read the scripture in your own mother tongue in Africa, rather than European languages that the average Africa uses, you discover new light, new truths. The fourth element it says is indigenous knowledge systems. He believes that there are various indigenous knowledge in each culture in Africa. And it's up to theologians to go and discover this indigenous knowledge and connect it to Christianity so that people feel at home in Christianity. Critique. Liberation theologians criticize Baby that it doesn't deal with gender justice, economic justice, political justice, racial justice, tribal justice. And also many evangelical charismatic preachers and pastors and evangelists critique him and saying that his theology is so academic that the average African evangelical charismatic is not practically interested in it. In conclusion, I find Bedea good to be one of the people who are at the forefront of doing what academic theology needs to be doing in Africa, a dialogue between the gospel and culture so that we'll come out with a Christianity where people are truly African and truly Christian. Thank you. Thank you so much, Philip. That was a really rich talk. Um, we've got time for just um, a quick question and I'll pick Russell. Russell, might you like to ask your question about the local church, please? Yeah, um, I, I'm in a, a very multicultural church and how can the local multicultural church enable culturally authentic Christian faith? Philip, you've got two minutes, okay. go for it. <laughs> Bible study, listening to different views, and different interpretations and the symbolisms that especially global South Christians bring to Bible, trans, trans, Bible studies and the relational aspect. So listening to different voices, when we all listen to each other, we will learn from each other. Fantastic, thank you, Philip. And um, might we hear from Ifi just briefly? Ifi Okolomo. Hi. Um, my question is just this, how do, well, I'm just going to make it short. What's the way forward, being African and being Christian? Is there a way we can combine our culture and our belief without one out doing the other successfully? That's what Bidiaku has done. Read on Bidiaku and you see how it's done. Integration of the two. Because everybody is already doing it, but it's just a question of which model are you using? Which of the four models are you using? all integrated within our culture but the question is which of the models are we using is it christ against culture christ for culture christ the final fulfillment of culture or christ and culture being on the same equivalent 
or you didn't decide your model because you're using it unconsciously. Everybody is using, whether Western or non-Western, everybody uses a gospel culture model, but it's only that you need to be conscious and see, ask yourself, is this the right approach I'm using? And Bedea go offers us some answer. I suggest you read it. Thank you, Philip. Thank you for the recommendation for a, a new theologian to me to look at. Um, and this draws to the end our second session. Thank you so much to our speakers from today.